you, me, the announcer, and the open road. Let's go. Welcome to the ALT Insider Podcast, dedicated to making you have the most fun possible while living or dreaming about living in Japan. Whether you've been here for years or are just starting to consider it, we've got you covered. And now, your host, broadcasting from somewhere in Japan, James. James here, coming at you with ALT Insider, episode number 102. Nice to have you in here, and I gotta say it now, before I forget it, ALT Insider Podcast, proudly part of the Japan Podcast Network. For all your Japan Podcast Network needs, you need to head over to japanpodcastnetwork.com. It is where it's at right now. Hope to see you there. And we just added a new member of the Japan Podcast Network. Well, we're in the in the in the in the, in the middle of finalizing the new member of the Japan Podcast Network. So you're gonna want to check that out. How many more times can I say it? Japanpodcastnetworks.com. If you haven't checked it out yet, go check it out. Find some other cool podcasts that you might like there today. So Nice to have you here with me. This episode is an interesting one. It's an interview with someone that's doing a very interesting job that I didn't know foreigners even could do in Japan, but yet there is someone and there is more than just him. So some people are doing this job. It is the job of being a trucker in Japan. I know usually I get people that, have, you know, I've been in Japan for 10 years and it seems like, oh, that's pretty long. I've been in Japan 20 years. Oh, that's pretty long. This person has been in Japan longer than that. This person has had his job for longer than that. And it's a very interesting interview about a job that, I didn't know people could even do. So, yeah, stay tuned for that if you're interested in other jobs in Japan that aren't teaching English because this is about as far away from teaching English in Japan as you can possibly get. Um, before we get to the interview, site news, lesson plans. Finally, yearly lesson plans version 3.0 should be coming out in the next two weeks. If you already bought them the previous years, check your inboxes in about a week. If you have not bought them and you're thinking about buying them in the future, check out the website. I'm sure I'll let you know more about it, though, in the coming weeks on this very podcast and on the website and on Twitter and everything else. So don't worry. You'll be you'll be, you'll be, you'll be in the loop about when the version 3.0 is coming out. A lot of good stuff to talk about there, but, you know, that'll come a different day. For now, it is all about this interview with Mike, the trucker in Japan. Very interesting interview here. One I never thought that I would ever get a chance to do. And now, look, here it is. It's very interesting. Very cool. It's very. It's always cool to learn about you know a job, a world that you know nothing about, right? And I think this 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 interview is definitely an example of that. So sit back, grab your four wheeler. No, they way more than four wheeler. What do they call those? Eighteen. Grab your. Get on your eighteen wheeler. Get ready to take a ride. Here we go with Mike, the trucker in Japan. Enjoy. All right, guys. Today I have a very special guest here. He's doing a very I think rare position for foreigners doing Japan. Mike, why don't you help let people know what what position what profession is that? Uh, I'm an international logistics facilitator, uh, truck driver in, in real real world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's, that sounds pretty. I mean, that's a cool. That's definitely. First, when I found you online, I said, "Okay, I got to be into this person because it's pretty interesting." I think so. Let's get back to your past. Okay, so what? Sure. Made, how did how did you kind of come to Japan in the first place? Oh, I, I joined the Navy uh, after high school, and the ship that I got assigned to was homeported here. Okay, that's kind of a simple story. Yeah, just you know, uh, I'm, these days people not they uh, really seem to have a big dream, you know, to, to go to Japan and put lots of effort and work into it. And I just kind of accidentally fell here. Yes, you didn't have less. any. You didn't kind of have any kind of big dreams of uh, I love Japan, I love you know sushi or anything. Well, kind of- no, see, I'm I'm in my fifties. I'm fifty one. So like when I was finishing school, I was I graduated in eighty three. So of course there was no internet yet, and there was no anime or manga or nothing like that uh-huh. <laughs> so 
you know, no, nobody had that kind of thing about you know fascination with Japan back then. We, it was unknown. So when you got when you got told you were going to be you know stationed in Japan, was it kind of mm-hmm. like wow, this has come a big place I never even I can't even imagine? Or what did you feel at that time? I, I really had no idea what to expect at all. I, I had a certain amount of choice, you know, between what ship to go to, but uh, we had positions available in. Uh, ports in the U.S. and a few overseas. You know, I thought, well, I didn't join the Navy, you know, to stay in America. So mm-hmm. uh, I picked one of the ships that was in Japan. But no, really, I had no no preconception whatsoever what, other than, you know, foreign, you know, what it was going to be. I'd never traveled, never been anywhere. Okay, so when you got here, it must have been a pretty big, uh, you know, shock to the system, huh? Oh, yeah, it was a huge, huge shock. <laughs> <laughs> I can still remember walking down the street are we allowed to, to, to use foul language on the program? Definitely, or? definitely. Let it fly. Okay. <laughs> it's not so bad. But I remember I was walking down this, the street, you know, looking around. I said, man, look at all these goddamn foreigners. Then I thought, oh, I'm the foreigner. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of Man, that was, that was the biggest shock. That, that still sticks out in my mind. You know, it's – yeah, we flew into the Yokota Air Base. It was a military charter. So I'd, I'd never even been to the, the standard, you know, airport or anything. Like, I didn't even have a passport. I've never okay. been anywhere. <laughs> so then, you know, so you kind of—I guess you have kind of a somewhat successful stay in Japan. You obviously kind of come to like it, I guess. Or how did that go? Yeah, I guess so. I, I usually tell people I just got lost and didn't know how to say my name and address, so I couldn't go to the policeman, and here I am still, you know. <laughs> but okay. yeah, I, I got married while I was in the navy, and then you know, all of all the people I've ever known who've stayed here for a long time, none of them have intended to do that they, they've always said yeah, i'll go to japan for a year and then it turns into two or three or whatever they, they stay and all of the people that i've met online who are burning up to go to japan to live forever i've never heard from one who actually even came for a visit <laughs> yeah that's a good way that, i think that's true now you think about it have, have you noticed I was, that i was the same way i said i'm going to come to japan for one year and it's eight years yeah. now so <laughs> yeah you um, know how that goes yeah. you know, next thing you know oh well i guess i, I suck at planning you know so here i am yeah <laughs> So you know, switching from the navy to something else. I mean, how did mm-hmm. that, how, did, how did that transition go? Did you decide, okay, I'm going to get a real job, not be in the navy anymore? It was all right. I, I went back to the states for a short while and uh, worked in a factory for just oh a few months, and they fired me, and it was the biggest favor anybody ever did for me in my whole life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I went to university for a short bit, and we had a sister program arrangement with a uh, Hirosaki National University. And I applied for one of the scholarships through that and came back and went to that for a year. And they said, okay, well, it's time for you to go back to the U.S. and finish your you know, degree there now. And I said, no, I think I'm going to stay. Uh-huh. And it just really upset them. We, we, we don't know if you can do that. Like, we have to put you back where we found you kind of thing. I said, no, it's okay. I'm already married, and I'll just change to a spouse visa. And it upset them. They, they called my university in the U.S. and they said, no, we don't care if he comes back or not. <laughs> you, you can keep him, do what he wants to. So, so yeah. you, you kind of, so you were, st- when, when did you go for, what were you studying in college at that time? I never really had a major, I think. I think when I signed up, I signed up for an economics major. Okay. And then I remember watching CNN one day that they, they had some economists talking back and forth and I looked and my eyes just glazed over and said, oh, geez, God, is that what an economist does? I've got to change my major. <laughs> but, but I never did. So I never even like really took any economics courses. This, what do you want to put down? Oh, I put down economics. That sounds cool. But <laughs> okay. I, I had no, no idea. So you decide, you know, you get the spousal visa. You have to, so now you have mm-hmm. to find a job in Japan. So how do you go about finding a job in Japan at that time? 
Well, at the time, uh, I went into like you know the, the standard the English conversation teaching thing, and it uh-huh. was like looking in those days. It was like you looked in the Japan Times because, like I said, there there was no internet yet. Yeah, and uh, you look in the Japan Times, you call places, you arrange for interviews or whatever. And my wife's from Guma, so I looked for places in Guma and was able to find a a spot here. Okay, and well, I, how did you take to that? Like, what do you think of that position, that profession? Oh man, <laughs> you didn't like it. It's I guess. <laughs> no. I mean, it's good for people who for people who enjoy that work and who are cut out for it and who have a passion for it and take it professionally. I'm really glad it's available for them. But like any profession, some people don't belong in it. Uh-huh. You know, I I don't have the patience for doing it. Okay, because I. I don't mind helping people to learn anything and go over it and take as much time as we need, and I'll work with you as hard as I can. But then the next time you come to class and the next the same question comes up, and I say, remember we did this? And you look at me like you'd never heard it before in your life. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I can't do that, but so many – yeah, you know, you've been there. <laughs> yeah. I can't do that, but so many times, and I, I get really pissed. I, not Well, you can't let it out at work, you know, but, it's, boy, it's aggravating. <laughs> so, you know, how so, you know. How's your Japanese at this level at this point? You've been in Japan a few years. At that years point, yeah, at that point it wasn't terribly good because you know it didn't matter if I spoke Japanese or not because I was inside you know the the gaijin bubble, let's call it. Ah, uh, yeah. That you know it's gee, it's nice if you can speak a little Japanese, but what the hell does it matter if you can't because you're going to be accommodated and you're surrounded by people who the only reason they won't be around you is because you're a foreigner and because you speak English. And, you know, it's a self-selecting group that, that surrounds you. Mm-hmm, that's for sure. So you're, you're completely taken care of. It's it's wonderful. So, you know, how did you kind of make – so you decided English teaching is not for me, so how did you kind of go about mm-hmm. taking the next step? I had some vacation days built up, and it was time to renew the contract for the – and the the boss of the place I worked for was out of the country. I kept saying, let's renew, let's renew, let's renew. And he's, yeah, we'll do it later. We'll do it later. And got towards the end. I said, okay, I'm going to take my vacation days and borrowed a car. And I was going to drive up to Almorty to visit friends up there. And I was driving, and, you know, of course he passed the guys driving the trucks and whatever. And I see a guy got the window rolled down. He's got the radio on. He's smoking. I don't smoke, but I enjoy people having the freedom to do so if they want to, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I look and I said, man, that beats a hell out of what I'm doing. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know. I didn't know anything about truck driving in Japan. Not a blessed thing. But another thing that I knew that always bothered me was I want to know if I can live in Japan even though I speak English and not just because I speak English. Okay. Because because if if English is your native language, you know, speaking it is not an accomplishment. <laughs> That's for sure. You know, and it's like, oh, here you speak English and you're you've got a nice smile and a clean necktie okay here teach english yeah which i'm not saying everybody's like that but where i was my position was like was that like that you know mm. and it's like i don't want to do this for the next 30 or 40 years i can't imagine doing it that long it, it is no way and you know the expectation thing everybody you meet oh hi your name's mike you're an american oh where do you teach english yeah yeah you know they know you before they've even asked you know mm-hmm. and i hated that so, I, I assume you're, you're american as well yeah 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 yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So we're from a country of immigrants you know and i've always wondered you know the people who came to the u.s without english without anything and, and managed to you know fit in work hard build up assimilate 
can I do that? You know, uh-huh. well, here's here's an experiment. Here's here's a chance to give it a try. You know. Yeah. So let's go through that ch- chance when you saw the mm-hmm. when you saw the dri- the truck drivers. How did you go about like okay, this is what I want to do. What kind of steps did you take? Because I know a lot of people see yeah a lot of people see situations like that, but they don't take mm-hmm. the next step. So how did you take the next step to make it happen? You know. Well, you know, the first obvious thing you have to do is check. Gee, do I have a license that will allow me to do that? You know, a driver's <laughs> yeah. license. You know. So the first thing I checked at that time uh, on a standard car operator's license, you could drive the four-ton trucks, so up to five tons at that time. It's changed since. And I thought, well, yeah, okay, that's all right. And if I want to drive something bigger later, I can I can go get the license for the bigger stuff later, you know. So I found out the license was okay. And this, well, how do you find the jobs? Mm-hmm. Well, again, this is pre-internet. So they still have them now. You can go to the convenience store or bookstore and get the free job information magazines. And, mm-hmm. you know, truck driving is a field with a lot of turnover, so there's always places that are hiring people, and then you just put together the date show, put the, you know the personal, the Japanese version of the simple resume sheet, mm-hmm. and you start calling places. I always refer to it as kissing frogs. You know, <laughs> <What's that one? laughs> well, you know the, the princess. You know, pick up a frog. She had to kiss a whole lot of frogs before she found a prince. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's when you. As, now there are a lot of foreigners working in non-traditional fields and there's been a lot of the the uh, the Nikkei from Peru, Brazil and stuff who have come back. So it's not unusual now, but then oh there was there was nobody. And there was there was real resistance or opposition to well if we never had a foreigner before, so we don't know if we can do that or we don't know if we want one or but so, so how was your Japanese at that point? I mean that's kind of a big that's not that's not, that's above like, you know, saying hey, how's your how you doing? How how's your day going in Japanese? That's really, you know, business Japanese, right? I was I was like every other foreigner, not as good as I thought I was, I'm sure, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but still you made the you were making those calls, you know? Yeah, you know, call and put together the, the resume thing and go for the interview and I got lucky the first place that I worked, first place I interviewed hired me. Oh okay. and the manager of the place really didn't want to but the personnel guy it's, it's like he said uh you know it's not like people are beating our door down you know come in here and work you know? <laughs> yeah. we need drivers and they're, they're not you know they're not falling over each other to get here so fortunately the, the only good thing was i had not neglected reading uh, your studies yeah yeah i hadn't learned as many kanji and stuff as i should have by then but the uh the guy who did the interview went back to the office and picked up a bunch of bills of lading and with mainly addresses and stuff and put them down and said, Boom, here, read those. Okay. Out out loud, you know, the addresses. And I guess I was I was lucky as all places that I could read, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, okay, you know, that's that's the main thing. You don't have to be intelligent, you know, to do what I do. And people think, oh, truck driver is all stupid. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. But you can't be illiterate and do it. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, so you know, so you went, took the step. You went, you know, you made the mm-hmm. calls. You got the interview, and you got the yep. job. So, yep. I mean, that's kind of <laughs> that. For, right, right there is kind of. So you had the one advantage of having the spousal visa, right? So, mm-hmm. like, the, yeah, that was the main thing. I imagine if someone that doesn't have a spousal visa w- would that company give them a visa? Is that I'm not, I'm not sure you would even know that. But I don't. I know. I I can't imagine that that immigration would sign off on that. Yeah. So you know that you know, I, I, I have no idea, I have no experience of that, and I've never looked it up because it doesn't apply to me. Mm-hmm. You know, if anyone's interested, first, if you're here with a college education degree, and then you're eligible to do, 
white collar kind of stuff and have the Japanese skills and stuff, don't do what I do. I mean, you know, don't don't even try to say, you know, can I get a visa for, for driving the truck in a trucking company or something to work in the office or, you know, work your way up. There's there's definitely positions uh-huh. available for people, but not to do what I do. You know, that's, that's a waste. So let's talk about what you do exactly. So like, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my image of a, a trucker is very, you know, limited. Just you go somewhere, pick something up, take it somewhere else, and that's it. So, can you tell us a little bit about your schedule and stuff like that? What kind of what's the job entail, really? Well, it's it really depends, I guess, what kind of truck you're you're driving, what you're hauling, you know, who you're carrying things to. Uh, much of the time, especially when I was starting, I was driving the regular trucks, four ton. Then I moved up to ten ton trucks. And especially in those days, it was all hand loading and hand unloading. And you would go somewhere and pick up. You think, well, you bring this stuff to the truck on pallets. Why don't you just put it on the truck on pallets and we'll take it off on pallets, you know, with a forklift somewhere. Mm-hmm. Well, no, these pallets are expensive and they belong to the company. And they all had their own different sizes and stuff. So you'd spend an hour, anywhere from an hour to two or three hours just shifting the stuff onto the truck and then take it somewhere and then spend another two or three hours hand unloading it off again. That's pretty much disappeared these days. Uh, what I do now, what I've done since about 2000 or so, is the, I'm sure you've seen the intermodal containers. Okay. The ones that go straight from ship to train oh, yeah, yeah, to yeah. truck. Uh-huh. So I don't have to load or unload anything of those. The, the container, the, the big steel box itself, that's that's the freight. Whatever's inside it, the, the customer, it's up to them to put it in and take it out. I don't, I don't have to touch it. So you say your job's gotten easier since then? Oh man, it's so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> so what's like, what's a, what's a day? Let's take like one, like you know, say, you talk about what last time you went to work. I don't know, was it Friday? I don't know what your weekly schedule is like or whatever. Mm-hmm. Let, go, walk us through. You were like the last work day. What exactly was it? Was like when did you wake up? When did you work? When did you get home? You know that kind of stuff. Oh, I slept a lot on the last time, so I got home real late. Uh, let me tell you a little anecdote from my, the very first day I drove trucks, okay. and it'll help to understand the, what I liked about it. Of course, you know they didn't just turn me loose with somebody, you know, to go out and uh, to, by myself to go out. They put me with somebody, you know, for a few days mm-hmm. or for a while. Well, the first day we were going from uh, Tatabashi in Guma, going over to Tsuchida in Ibaraki to unload some fertilizer or something. And we're, we're going along, and it gets on toward lunchtime, and the guy with me. He says, "Yeah, I'm starting. You know, get hungry. Let's let's stop up here at the Yamada Udon and get get some lunch." And I said, "Okay. What what time is lunch?" He said, "He looked at me. Whenever we get hungry, hell, we'll stop and eat." <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. How, how long is lunch break? Is it thirty minutes or an hour? Hell, we'll stop, eat, smoke a cigarette, lean back a while, and get ready to go. We'll go. Oh, okay. I said, "What what time do we get done work today?" Oh, we'll go over here and unload this stuff, and we'll go back the company and if we don't have anything to load you know in preparation for tomorrow if there's nothing uh, hell we'll just go home okay i said no, no matter what time it is yeah if there's nothing left to do hell you go home you don't have sweet. to ask and say no you just take off you just go That's and sweet. I, well yeah you know every every industry every job has some kind of bullshit to it i don't care what it is uh-huh. you, can, you can get the people who do that together and they can have a bitch session that'll last all day i don't care if it's a doctor a lawyer you know whatever uh-huh. the, everybody has something to gripe about That's for sure. thought, well this is this is the kind of bullshit i can deal with you know i'm not i'm not micromanaged supervised my my boss is not there with me you, you're a workforce of of one uh-huh. so when and it's Especially like in those days, there were no cell phones or anything yet either. I mean, you 
you left in the morning or whenever and you're you know you're sailing the seas by yourself until you get back you're like on a raft or something oh yes that's that's a pretty relaxed for sure yeah and it can also be like really stressful like well, geez if something happens you know what am i going to do oh, yeah. uh, if there's a breakdown if there's trouble if i can't find this place because we didn't have gps or anything those days either you know oh, yeah, the maps true, yeah. the maps were nowhere near as good as they are now was there any situation where like you came to the place to drop off the stuff and everyone's like, "Whoa, you know, foreigners here"? That used to be every day. <laughs> yeah, every single damn day. <laughs> there weren't that many foreigners here then either. Yeah, I yeah, mean, just yeah. in general, and especially nobody doing what I do. You'd go up to a place, you'd pull in, get out, and you go up to the building, and usually it's a, like a window and in, in the outside wall. You go up and you know speak into the office. And I'd go, it'd be one of two reactions I would get. One reaction would be everybody in the office, you know, people don't have their own cubicles or whatever. It's like an open plan office here, generally. Uh, everybody would look up and then immediately look down. It's like, you know, if I acknowledge I saw him, then I'll have to go to the window <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. to deal with him. That was that was one reaction. The other reaction was it would be some office lady who would come over, I don't speak English. I don't speak English. Yeah, yeah. You know, nobody asked you to. You know, <laughs> it, that shit got old, old. That, I did that every day, day in, day out for years. And I've got to say, bring this around to the ALTs and the JET program and stuff like that. I really give the those programs credit for eliminating that from my life. Okay, yeah. Because, again, th there weren't those people around yet, or they hadn't, they were in very small numbers still at that time if they were around. But thanks to the ALT presence and the Jets, those guys being in the schools, they have inoculated so many Japanese young people from the, oh, oh, look, oh, it's a gaijin, you know, mm -hmm. fever, disease, or whatever. It's yeah. Now they, they've all seen one, met one, they've all talked to one, even if it's just, you know, hello, how are you, or whatever in school, that even the minimum that they had to do, at least they, they've seen us and talked to us, been physically near one. So that that stuff all right really went away. That's, that's disappeared. Yeah, that's one good part of it, definitely. You get more foreign presence in Japan. It's definitely coming, you know. I have no idea if you've made any benefit as far as English capability goes or not, but boy, you, they've made a real huge change in the, the daily life of... of uh, interacting with people yeah it's changing more and more all the time yeah so it is because mo most places i go these days nobody even comments <laughs> yeah that's that, that's better much better then <laughs> uh, yeah. so you know i don't want to talk about numbers of course but mm -hmm. compared to what you were making as a aikaiwa teacher you teach what, mm -hmm. what was the pay was it much better a little bit better you know i'm sure you're, you're comfortable but you know what kind of was the pay scale around be, be general man be general here it's probably a little better if if it's somebody who's like not doing private lessons on the side and stuff like that, mm -hmm. just a straight you know uh, standard contract AKI or whatever, it's probably a little better than that. And but your and your schedule is like five days a week, or is it any kind of no six six, kinda, six six days a week? Six days a week, but it's kind of and it's very like in flux, you know, like this day. Yeah, you know, is is some days you might come in at six or seven o'clock in the morning, and generally we my bunch goes to work at three or three o'clock in the morning where I am now. If we're going to Tokyo, we go in at three thirty. If we're going to Yokohama, we go in at three. Oh, so your schedule no, no, no later than yeah. Your schedule's kind of flipped around. So you probably sleep during the daytime. I sleep when I get tired. 
Oh, <laughs> where, where I happen to be. <laughs> oh, yeah, so you, you, you do the thing where you sleep in the, you sleep in the truck. It's totally Yeah, I sleep thing. in the truck, yeah. Oh, okay. Is there a bed in there, or do you sleep on the... Yeah, the, yeah there's, okay. a, there's a very small shelf bed in the back. I sleep in the truck more than I do at home. <laughs> so that kind of keeps you out of the out of the house a long time, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's some. There's sometimes I'll go to work and we'll be gone two or three, two or three days, even though I'm not gone all that far. Uh, okay. So your wife had to get make get ready for that adjustment, huh? Well, I've been doing the truck driving thing since I was 25, and I'm 51 now. So she's used to that. <laughs> she's used to okay. Yeah. So is there any kind of a, a you know career advancement? Where do you see yourself in the future with this? You know, keep just keep where you keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> The only kind of advancement, really, there's two types. One, I really wouldn't call career advancement. It's just more like vehicle advancement. The guys want to, you know, some guys want to drive the bigger, 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 you know, things. They'll step up. It used to be people would start in like a two-ton truck or four that you could drive with a regular license. Then they'd get a large truck license to drive a 10-ton truck. And a very few people would get like a trailer license and drive trailers. But there weren't that many trailers around in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, these days, though, it's... Sometimes people will start, you know, like what we used to would consider near the top, you know, the ten ton or the the trailer, straight out of driving school, fresh with a license. They don't know anything about the industry or you know the job or nothing. There's there's nothing that says you can't do that, you know. Uh, a very few people, as they get older, will move into working in the warehouse just because they get you know too old and too tired to stay on the road that much longer. Mm. And a very few will move into the office for a dispatch or some you know my, minor management position but you know those positions are like really really very few okay that's something you feel like thinking you're gonna do or just gonna keep driving no man hell i don't want to i do this because i don't want to be with the same people and surrounded by the same four walls all day <laughs> yeah what's kind of average drive length for you is it like you know oh let's see for me personally we generally run down to tokyo or yokohama because it's it's the containers so you know you, you send her out of the the ports naturally you have to go meet the ships you know mm. so uh a day will usually be 240 to about 300 kilometers something like that oh, okay that's good that's so good yeah it's by hours you know maybe 14 to 16 hours a day or more on the road yeah so you you know what do you what do you do to pass the time you usually you think and you're keeping your own head you know kind of thinking about you know listening to music what do you do to kind of pass that time uh music uh podcasts old time radio programs read what well, since i got since the internet came along i got the ipad and stuff like that it's cut into the reading time a lot <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> uh, a lot of guys you know have a television in in the truck or uh, reading comic books and stuff like that. With me, it's usually like, used to be reading a lot. Now, it's messing around on the internet. Wow, okay. uh, sometimes do a little studying, something like that. So you know, let's get kind of wrap it up here. Let's kind of say like, mm-hmm. what kind of you found? You saw a job you wanted to do, and you went out and got a job in that field. Mm-hmm. So how, yeah. A lot of people in Japan are, you know, they used to be English teachers. They want to do something else, but they don't mm-hmm. make that step to find a job they really want to do. You know, or they're scared to do that. You know, so how do? Yeah. What kind of advice would you give that person to find a job they want to be doing? You know. The main thing is to make sure that, you know, before you get burned out, let's say you come here and you, you stay in ACOG or whatever, you know, if you love it, fine. If you don't, it's easy to predict. I mean, look around. You don't see guys in their 40s and 50s and whatever that's been doing it 20, 30, 40 years. You know, if you think you're going to be in Japan that long and you can look into your industry and see that, you know, maybe there's not going to be a position for me that long in this field. It's a young person's field or they don't want people to stay too long if you think you might want to transition out of it in the future 
you're go- probably going to have to have some decent Japanese skills, mm. and that's going to include literacy. Mm. So the number one thing is before you get to that position where you think, oh, man, God, I've got to get out of this crap before I just cut my throat. You have to work back from before that and spend the time and effort to get your skills up to where you can, can make that move when you want to. Do not neglect learning how to read. Yeah. And don't neglect actually reading stuff. This this is an entirely different country when you're not illiterate. Mm, that's and, and, it, and it's an entirely different country when you get out of the traditional, you're a guy, Gene, this is what you can do job. Mm-hmm. It's so freeing too, you know. It's so freeing to not do that, you know. For me, the most liberating, the most freeing part of being out of that is that people say, you know, when Japan, you're always going to be a foreigner. You'll always be a gaijin. You have, you know, and that that really wears on some people. Here's the thing: me and, for example, say an, an English teacher, we we will both wake up in the morning. We'll wake up every morning as a gaijin. We'll wake up as a foreigner every day. The difference is when I go to work, I don't have to spend all day being one. Mm. It's it's not a, it's not part of my reason for interacting with anybody. The yeah. fact that I speak English has it benefits me zero, not at all. It does nothing to get me through the day. It it never comes up. Nobody around me speaks English. I don't have to. In other words, the the fact that I'm a foreigner has nothing to do with any of the task that I do during the day. So I don't have to spend all day being a foreigner. Hi, how are you? Let's do this. And and it's not part of of who I am. It's not part of my identity. Yeah, I know I look in the mirror, I see a foreigner. Everybody looks at me, they see a foreigner. But it's not part of our reason for interacting. And that is amazingly liberating. You you, you can't imagine unless you can just step outside and say, oh, wow, gee, hell, that's nice. I don't have to, you know, Put on the bear suit. I don't have to be the be a foreigner. All I can just be myself and go through the day and just do regular stuff like a regular person. That's amazingly liberating. I think that's the perfect way to end. I think you know, the good motivation for people that want to do something else is not teaching. You know, if you you, you can do, you can mm-hmm. make it happen just like Mike did here. You know, yeah. So, pe- pe- people assume that you know, well, well, Japan won't let you do this, and Japan won't let you assimilate. Japan, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Japan will let you do what you put in the effort to do, and ninety nine percent of the time that people feel Japan is limiting them, it's limiting yourself. Exactly. So, all right, Mike, that was a good. I think we learned a lot here. Uh, thanks for sharing your, you know, experience and uh, sure, good luck, happy good, to. Good luck in the future, and uh, and I, you know, you, you, I think hope people take from you is you saw something you wanted to do and you took the steps to do it. A lot of people don't take those steps to make it happen. So, mm-hmm. yeah, thanks for sharing your story today. No problem. Happy to help. Thanks for listening to the ALT Insider Podcast. For more info on how you can have more fun working in Japan, visit altinsider.com. See you next time.